quote, politics or a significant difference of opinions isn't a license to forget that these people we feel we have a right to attack are wives, sons, parents, grandparents, and friends, end quote. Throughout the lifespan of this podcast, I will take time out to open up about my own humanity as I discuss the journey of my first 49. After all, it seems only fair that in seeking to learn about your story and my discussions with you, that you too learn about my human side as well. There are so many examples throughout my life where moral courage was out the window. I can look to two weeks ago to find a recent example, and I'm sure that won't be the last time that I ask myself, what the fudge crackers? After failing at something I am trying so desperately to live with, moral courage. We live in a world that is becoming increasingly void of forgiveness, empathy, and redemption. But Urshad Manji tells a story about how even by devoting every day to making the world a better place and working to improve ourselves, there will always be challenges that unhinges the very moral persona that we otherwise exhibit. Urshad tells a story of when she and her wife were going through a divorce and the regret she felt after a moment of relapse and judgment. You can find that post on urshadmanji.com if you want to read the full story yourself. But these are a few quotes from that piece that stood out to me as I reflected on my own regrets. Quote, As a teacher of moral courage, I'm constantly struggling with two impulses, to speak truth to power and to do so in ways that reconcile divides rather than widen them. Both need to happen in order for justice to prevail, but damn, does it ever feel good to do one without the other, to flip the bird to bullies without caring about reconciliation? Mere seconds after she, Urshad's ex-wife, closed the door behind her, after Urshad's outburst, my conscience caught up to my ego and then overtook it. Are you a fraud? I asked myself. I mean, you traipse around the world, teaching people that when we speak truth to power, Remember that the most pervasive power is the human ego, so let's develop a little humility. Where's your humility, you hypocrite? For me and for now, the lesson is to feel whatever I feel, yet to also understand that we humans are a work in progress. Let's act like it by continuing to evolve in how we relate to one another. End quote. I have three brief stories that I'm going to tell about people who are at the wrong end of my own lapses in moral judgment. B was a director at my current place of employment. John Wismer was the head of the phys ed department, coach and teacher at my high school. And Jay was a director of the school board I represented as a trustee. Story one, me and B. Marital separation is gut-wrenching to say the least. And any further obstacles that intersect these life-altering months within our journey are a risk of suffering the wrath of having already reached our moral courage limits. Insert unsuspecting subject B. Parking was scarcer around our office to the point where they had a company bus employees to and from offsite locations for a few years until they basically bought the block and parking became plentiful. I often had meetings outside of the office and sometimes I would only head back into work for a short while before leaving again, so I would park in the main lot and take my chances. On a few occasions, I was ticketed by a bylaw officer who would come daily to check parking passes. Things were stressful enough at home so after my third ticket, rather than calmly walking into the director's office to see if there was a way to resolve this issue of being ticketed, I stormed in, tossed out a few expletives, and tossed my parking pass on the desk because I wasn't going to take it, as Twisted Sister once demanded. 
For months, I took the train to work, for which anyone who has traveled from Hamilton to the extents of Burlington knows the commute is like planes, trains, and automobiles. I went from going through a marital separation to adding multiple modes of transportation over a 20-minute turned one-and-a-half-hour commute. To top it all off, I started having scary panic attacks from simply walking down the street. On one occasion, I had an episode on the train where all I wanted in the world at that moment was to get off the speeding locomotive of life and the one beneath my out-of-control heart. After my shiatsu therapist worked with me to correct my breathing, the panic attacks subsided and the train rides actually started to calm me. They forced me to slow down and to find perspective in everything from my failing marriage to fractured work relationships. One day I walked into the director's office and we had a heart-to-heart. Over 50 minutes of learning about B's humanity, I realized he was really easy to talk to a guy who was also in a position he found uncomfortable, ticketing his colleagues. Had I had the courage to take a deep breath and have this conversation three months prior, the stories we shared of our joint life struggles could have meant avoiding a lot of pain and self-humiliation. I wasn't wrong to be frustrated by the parking situation, but even though B and I got along well up until the day we celebrated his retirement, I'm sure there was respect that could not be regained from others aware of the way I responded to that incident. I appreciated B and my boss for understanding how severely my separation was affecting me, but this memory is among key life examples of how a conversation I may have thought would be pointless turned out to be a powerful reminder of how easy reaching out to someone can be if you are willing to risk the rejection you have already preconceived. It's too bad the only risk I took was walking away. Story 2. Coach Wismer From late middle school and early into high school, I was a bit of a class clown. Okay, a lot of one. I can recall a few ha-ha moments, but there is one instance that stands out as a defining moment of my youth. Mr. Wismer was my math teacher, but to me he was really just a red-faced, humorless adult who stood in the way of me and my attention-seeking antics. It got to a point where I would simply walk into the classroom, and he would just point back out, without a word, indicating for me to take my desk, and myself, out into the hall. I don't recall how long this hallway routine went on for, but I do remember what encouraged me to see this teacher in a different light. I was returning from a hockey tournament with my dad when my mom took the phone away from her ear for a moment to say the words all kids dread. I have your teacher, Mr. Wismer, on the phone. He had called my mom to discuss my issues at school. He told her that I was a very bright kid, but, that in less pleasant language, I was a very disruptive young man. When I walked into school the next day and took my seat, I remember looking up to him to see him smiling at me as if we had our own secret handshake. Somehow that one simple phone call had changed my path. John Wismer saw something in me that it still took many years to see in myself. There was something valuable in having someone who wasn't family caring about my educational and emotional well-being, and that has stuck with me. For the remainder of my high school career, whenever I'd see Mr. Wismer, he'd always look at me with that sly smile as if he was still watching me, and I liked knowing that an educator who I had treated so badly still cared about my future. I found out about his passing long after the fact. I was sad to know that a man I had never really known, but who had helped shape me, was gone. I reached out to his family to tell them a bit of this backstory almost immediately. The next thing I knew, I was in the Wismer family home, listening to his sons sharing their father's story. I learned about his youth spent playing football. He was a coach and had played both college and pro ball. I would have likely connected more deeply with him had I taken the time to understand the human side of the man 
rather than thinking of him as an older teacher nearing retirement. The family let me borrow scrapbooks their mom had made for their dad that captured so many moments from his playing days, right up to the end of his retirement from our Board of Education. What an honor it was to be trusted with something so personal. There was so much love in that scrapbook that I teared up thinking about their love story and how as kids, we seem to forget that beyond our school corridors, teachers are people too. Mr. Wismer cared. He took that extra step to steer me straight and by not attacking my character and instead highlighting my strengths and pointing out the error in my ways, I didn't feel threatened. I was able to take a step back and reflect on how my behaviors were not just affecting his ability to deliver his lessons, but how my uninvited amateur comedy skits were disrupting the learning of my peers as well. Often when I forget the humanity in others, I remember Mr. Wismer's wise smirk staring back at me and his lessons set me straight again. I am sure it always will. Story three, the director. Lastly, as we enter both provincial and municipal election season locally, I want to talk about the humans within the offices of the government's candidates are seeking to represent and reflect on one of the many regrets I have regarding the campaign I ran while vying for office in 2014. At the time, there was a high school for special needs students that I had started to volunteer with the previous year. And after discussions with students, staff and families, I saw great value and even necessity in preserving it. I had read papers, books, and did a lot of research on the topic, but the problem was it was slated for closure under the guise of inclusion. With any opinion, there are those whose views differ from our own, but by the time I filed my nomination papers, I was on fire and quick to point out the error in the ways of any staff or elected official who didn't see the beauty, wonder, and magic that I saw every time I walked through the doors of that school. The director of the school board at the time, who I will call Jay, was one of the humans on the other side of my attacks. He wasn't the only one. Elected school trustees were also the subject of my social post, showing the lack of hands voting in support of preserving this special needs institution at a school board meeting, many of whom became my future colleagues, friends, and those continuing to fight for public education after stepping down from our elected positions. That is a human side story all of its own. Although I still believe in my cause to this day and continue to dream of working with local partners to rebuild an even better version of that institution, there was nothing evil about the opinions or direction of those that proposed or voted to close that school. They didn't hate special needs kids. They didn't want to take support away from them. They genuinely felt that their decisions were in the best interest of these amazing kids. The difference between that eager know-it-all of eight years ago and the guy reflecting on that chapter in my journey today is that I am cognizant of the humanity in my other stories much more than I was then. I have learned that politics, or a significant difference of opinion, isn't a license to forget that these people we feel we have a right to attack our wives, sons, parents, grandparents, and friends. I can only imagine what it was like for the director to know that there was someone who held so much animosity towards him without ever taking a moment to learn about the person behind the position. For the incoming trustee orientation, the same director welcomed us as we entered the training room and spent the next couple of hours talking about our new role, processes, and the team of educators we would be working with over the course of the next four years. It was awkward being there knowing what an RSI had been, and I am sure it was much worse for him as he contemplated what the next four years would be like under this new board, ultimately deciding to tender his resignation effective 15 days into our term of office. I shook Jay's hand and wished him well the day he left our board, 
and continued to follow his work until his retirement, where I thanked him for his dedication to education and expressed my good thoughts for a long and healthy life beyond public service. The stories of how my journey crossed these humans' paths won't be my last mistakes, regrets, or lessons learned. I unfortunately have many similar stories to share over my first 49 years of moments where I was not proud of how I judged or reacted to a difficult discussion or situation. But every day I think about how I might do better next time. We are flawed, but our true strength is in accepting fault and reflection, redirection, and in our growth. This is what I want to look back on when I meet my taker. We don't have to be right. They don't have to be wrong. But we at least owe it to one another to give our others the benefit of a conversation rather than the conflict of our doubt. You have been listening to Larry Patterson Jr. on the Theos Podcast. Empathy, courage, intention. Don't be afraid, be empowered.